When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello there. Happy Hunt Day. Laura and Julia show. My talk 1071 Everything Entertainment. Thank you so much for joining us. And I thought I'd give you a little, little music uh, to send you off with. So here we go. California, here I come. Everybody know. Right back where I started from. Why do you play such old tiny music? For I specifically, like I told Holly I specifically wanted a cheesy version, and I found it. Oh, you sure did. Are you going to play like California Girls? Nah. Or, nah, that's, or the Beverly Hillbillies theme song. <laughs> <laughs> a little more appropriate. All right, yes, you're off to Cali. Off to Where California, and I've already been to the airport once this morning at uh, 6.15 a.m. The lines were long. I dropped off my dad, who okay. got his passport. You know, he he lost it somewhere in the airport in transit to his connecting flight. Okay. And Casey did the rescue, um, barreling around town, getting... Anyway, and then last night I said to him, now, Dad, I said, you're never going to do this again, are you? You're <laughs> going to always carry a paper copy of your passport. He says, well... I got one in four hours. That's pretty good. I go, let's remind everybody, $500. Right. Yeah, he goes, well, 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 but I got it real fast. (laughs) Just a little scratch. Because the irony of this with my dad is that my brother had an expired passport. Okay? Okay. So my dad has been nagging him literally since last September for a trip that my dad is taking all of his kids on. Next December 2019. Right. Okay. Okay. So So he's been nagging my brother for September, a long time. October, okay. November, December. When are you going to do it? When are you going to do it? When yeah, are you going to yeah, do yeah, it? Yeah. And I mean, really, my brother was like, Dad, you've got to quit nagging me about it. I'm on it. You know, we have to go to Seattle, you know. Anyway, so my brother just absolutely cracked up. Thought it was hilarious that my dad lost oh, I would too. his passport after, you know, lecturing all him, over him all over the passport yeah. thing. But anyway, my dad um, said the line went pretty fast you know about uh 20 25 minutes right. so That's- it's if you're going on a morning flight or an early evening flight, like three to... That's where it's just the crunch is happening. So I'd give yourself another half hour. I would too, just to be sh- safe. Because there's nothing... You don't need to panic when don't, you're going Yeah, there's vacation. nothing worse. Yep. Way, or you're going on a trip. trip. I, I mean, I the one place, if they don't get the shutdown figured out by Monday, I am slightly in a panic over leaving LAX on Monday morning on the 6.30 a.m. flight. Because that is prime time. Oh, really?
coming. Yes, it is. Oh, oh it's so okay. busy, busy. Well, stay in touch. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> Remember last year? Oh, yes. We had the snowstorm. That was weather. And we were, yeah. you know. Diverted to Fargo. Sorry. But we were on the plane, off the plane, on the plane, off the plane. Remember oh, we that? met the captain. We, we sat were in the flying front seat. the plane. It, it was hilarious. That was really kind of funny, yeah. wasn't Maybe it? for you. Yeah, I know. Not so much Not back here. That was kind of funny. <laughs> it was. It was a fun 24-hour adventure. And we were like, oh, good. We have an even shorter work week. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Sorry okay. that we like that so, sometimes. I told my dad last night he had to be involved in homework for the show, for the okay. radio program. And for the he radio goes, program. He goes, what's that? Because, you know, my dad really just likes to watch, you know, Law and Order. HGTV. And NCIS, HGTV. I said, Dad, we're going to watch a documentary. I don't want to watch a documentary. I said, there's girls in bikinis. All right, I'll watch a documentary. <laughs> I, that's what I told Lori. She's like, how do I get my dad to watch the Fry yeah. Fire Festival the documentary? Fr- the Fire Festival. And so I wa- Casey and I watched the Netflix one. It's called uh, Fire, the Greatest Party That Never Happened. And Casey's like... Well, I'm looking it up on Rotten Tomatoes first. Well, oh, like, for crying out loud. He is so diligent. 90, like 5 or 6%. Okay. So he's like, okay, okay. And then he, like you said yesterday when you and Holly had watched it the day before, it was fascinating all the terrible decisions. Andy, the gay guy, I mean, he was just like, I can't believe he kept helping that Billy McFarlane. And it all started out, like you said, we're going to have an Uber for concert bookings. Right. Like that is ever going to happen. Like Mm -hmm. that would have been a, you know what I mean? That's just so unrealistic to think you're going to get like any, and and that job rule. He's so guilty. He is so guilty and he was so obnoxious he really was Lori. he came off so bad he did so he's trying to and this is and it's spelled like fry boots f y r e and it's this festival that was supposed to happen a year year ago we followed it because when kendall jenner did this the instagram Mm -hmm. we're like oh what's this festival and then remember the pigs remember we talked about the pigs and we followed it and then as it came closer i remember people were like saying oh this is going to be a bleep show. I think it might have been Jezebel. A reporter at Jezebel had been keeping track of it. And so Jezebel would have these little updates about, oh boy, they don't, the, the reports we're getting are that this, this festival, there's no way it's going to even happen. Happen. And I, yeah, it was so fascinating. Now I want to watch the Hulu one, but I you feel, felt so bad for all the people who mm-hmm. worked. All the people, you know, like the Bahamians right. that worked for six weeks in that hot sun and building the, and never got paid. No, and the but the restaurant oh. lady that put all of her put fifty thousand dollars of her own wealth into it. It's a fascinating documentary. It and really I'm not a was. documentary person. I, I was. My dad liked it. Yeah, I, it. Casey is, liked it, and he's just I told like, you it's. He's like my dad was like yeah he said boy there are con, there are con artists out there and they've always oh, yeah. been around. <laughs> And the fast, smooth talker, and that Billy McFarland did seem very likable. Yeah, he did. But he was wasted the whole time. That should yes, have been a sign. Yeah, for that should have been when, a sign. When this man is always drunk. But I didn't realize they had this whole company of like thirty people that was going to be this fire, mm. you know, platform for booking the mm-hmm. Uber of booking right, talent. Right. Oh, you want um, Beyonce at your I birthday you party? Just click yes. Yeah, no problem. See how much it is. Yeah. Oh, two and a half million dollars. I mean, and even that probably would have been a scam where he would have figured out a way. He's probably running a scam right now in pr- federal pen. He He's something. Yeah. So anyway, it's called Fire. Um, fire. 
But I thought, how, I, you know, the the FCC, I thought that was an interesting footnote to the documentary that because of those Insta influencers, you know, Haley Baldwin, Bella Hadid, Kendall Jen- Jenner, all, you know, uh, selling this dream, which they didn't even really know what it was, what it was about. Right. But so now the FCC, when people are involved in something where there are tickets being sold or money being exchanged, it has to have hashtag advertisement. Yeah, oh, which I, I thought that that. was the one interesting. Go- oh. That was yes. the one good thing to come out of it because the FCC is like people, mm-hmm. people who have influence that are selling stuff. They need to be open about mm-hmm. if it's yes. advertising. Yes. Exactly. So I did think that was the one I good so thing too. that yeah. happened. But, but Kendall, now I, when I heard how much Kendall Jenner got for one one post, well, we know that fifty thousand dollars. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, that was that was super good, and I'm sure you were up uh, watching Serena Williams. Actually, I was, and that was oh heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. It really was. But she rolled her ankle. She did. Yeah. She did. I was so bummed because mm-hmm. she is such Carolina Pleskova. Yeah, yep. it so, was a really good match up until that point, and then I thought, oh no, oh no. You jinxed her yesterday. You said she was She's taking it all. Well, here's who I didn't jinx. Who? Um, the Hello Dolly soundtrack that I listened to very loudly last night as I was packing, and those tickets go on sale tomorrow, people. Oh, okay, good. Thank so you. I'm going to know all the songs. When all we right, go. very good. Um, <laughs> Great. All right, you know, Donnie, you don't. It'll be a joy sitting next to you. Well, yeah, well, I already know a lot of them. I know. Listen, we come back. It's our story we can't get enough of, and it is a delightful one. Our was on Stephen Colbert. Uh, she's a judge on an upcoming reality show. She was. She is fun. She's got so much personality. She really does. So let's okay. see. Here's talking about this new CBS show called World's Best. You're a judge in a new competition show, yeah. which uh, debuts Super Bowl night. Yes. Then yeah, we it the is Super called Bowl the World's Best. Yeah. Okay, and you're one of the judges. I am. You, RuPaul, Faith Hill, mm-hmm. which is sounds like a fun group it's, right there. It was a Just Add Water Insta Mix best friend scenario. Okay. It really hear it. worked out well. Good to hear it. And then we're led by our fearless uh, leader, James Corden. Very talented young Your man. Your other alum. So, yes. What's the idea of the show? So uh, these are the world's best at something. You know, it's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And this is the biggest. Of what? <laughs> so these people are the best. They are the world's best. How good are the people on this world? It's jaw-dropping, astonishing. We. So it's world's best, and then fill in the blank. Juggler. Oh, it can be singer. anything. I mean, it's okay. a talent show, okay, basically. You know, a version. But James Corden is producing it, and I love wow. RuPaul. And Faith Hill, that's kind of an interesting, but that she's a singer, so obviously there's going to be singing. And Drew is just fun. and yes, she is. So, yeah, I mean, CBS must believe in it enough. They're putting it on after the Super Bowl, which means it gets an instant. Guaranteed yeah. audience. Guaranteed audience. Yeah. Um, Versus last year, they had Alec Baldwin's new talk show yeah. when it was on ABC last year. Yeah. 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 Okay, mm-hmm. play the next one, Donnie. People must be terrified when they come on the show, though. Well, yeah, because, you know, I think that it's like in any... Olympic sport or that moment where you've worked so hard up until this moment and this is a shot for you, those kind of stakes... I can't imagine the type of nerves they bring on. You have to be able to imagine because you've no, been performing I since don't. you were 11 months. You have you by yeah, 11 to, months old. You have to have. Got, I sh- crap that diaper with nerves. <laughs> but you had to. Did you, had you ever get stage fright? Uh, no. Really? I live for the stage. I came out of the womb like with a martini and a cigarette, and I was like, "Let's do this." <laughs> I believe. You. I believe, I believe you. you. And I felt that way ever since. I cannot relate to that. 
Um, but what I can relate to is knowing that it all rests in this moment. So anyway, I love it that she can I switching into the accent and I read her memoir that she did a couple of years About before flowers, she got divorced. The daisies. Yeah. Something like that. Smelling like daisies or but something. But she has been really she had such a um wild child kind right? of hippie upbringing with her mom and living in West Hollywood and acting since she was literally. Uh, there wasn't you know, much parenting going no, on. No, no, she was, and, and it was, you know, the eighties and, and all of that. At thirteen. Okay, so I think does Colbert tell her that he and his kids had just watched Never Been Kissed? Uh, he no, does comment on that, okay. but that's not part of the clip. Okay, here we go. Who was, the, who was your first kiss? Mm, God, who was my Brecken Meyer? <gasps> he was an actor. He's an actor. He's around. Brecken Meyer. He still too is also, you know. Really? Can you tell us how it went down? Can you tell us? It was great. He was adorable. And my friend kept scorecards. Mm, first kiss. Mm. Okay, second, second French. Ooh, scorecards. She kept a scorecard of your kisses? Yeah, it was like almost like a she did play talk by about play. spectator sport. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Where are those cards now? <laughs> right in here. <laughs> Pointing to her head. Okay. I know. She was just, she was very, and she came out in just this. Dreadful ruffled print dress. Is she heavy? Because I read something that she's doing a lot of training and lost like 25 pounds yeah, on her Instagram she looked, or her something. Her hair and makeup is she's so pretty. I mean, just it was, there's a lot of people wearing these granny gowns. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's a thing. Yep. We'll have to take note in Beverly Hills. Are right. they wearing granny gowns with jean jackets? Then we can really just go. <gasps> or are you just wearing granny panties? <laughs> well, you know. yeah, you know. It all depends on the day. It all <laughs> Today, depends on I the would day. Say yes. Yeah. Okay. Play the. Uh, she does have a new movie, and I think the second season of Santa Clarita Diet with uh, Timothy Oliphant is out or coming I out have on no Netflix. Idea. All of us tried Never that show, it. and none of us Couldn't stuck it. with it. Yeah. Here we go. The next movie you play. Uh, we were talking backstage just a second ago. You actually play uh, a star who has a stand-in, and the stand-in looks exactly like her, and the stand-in actually takes over her life. So she gets sort of back away from the stardom and the stand-in has to or gets to do it all. I, Have you ever wanted that I, for you? Let somebody, <laughs> else, let somebody else be Drew Barrymore for a while. Uh, I think, you know, anyone who probably, like me, like you, unless you got the uh, delightful John Travolta, Nick Cage face-off plant thing that, what? like, unless you could switch faces with you someone. You wouldn't know. You wouldn't know if I did. Well, you can't be anyone than who you are. And when we're in our jobs, you are in the hospitality business, and you are in the people business. And I love people, and I love what I do. I, I'm i not cynical at all, and I'm very appreciative. I've had an extraordinary life, and I'm also that kind of, like, spiritual hippie that's like, every moment's an exchange for people to, like, brighten each other's day, no matter... Has nothing to do with who I am. Like, that's just actually who I am inside. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts.
I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game, and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. Okay, did, did you did, understand? I, 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 I did. Here, here's what she basically said is that what? our job as entertainers is hospitality. When we meet people, we need to be kind and nice, yeah. period. Yeah, she's of the never she's, complain, never explain uh, mo too. Yeah, Jay that. Leno was too. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I she was fun. It was fun interview to watch, and Stephen Colbert uh, was getting a kick out of her, and she was very good at shilling for her new show, World's Best. You know, it's a it's, family show. You'll be able to watch it. It's sort of like a winter version with a different name of America's, America's Got, Got Talent. Exactly. And it's, you know, and it's her, RuPaul. And Faith Hill. Sounds so you totally know fun. there's going to be singing. And love RuPaul. He was just on a show last week. Well, watch What Happens Live. Yeah. He's in the clubhouse. He's so delightful. Darlene. He's just one Mother's of those. Mother's watching you. And he, and he, <laughs> he loves everybody. Yeah. And he's, but he doesn't brook any nonsense. You what know. does that mean? Well, I mean. He, he, he's not a bolt. Yeah, he doesn't. He's not ever. He doesn't That was feel a very interesting Thank Brooke, any nonsense. Oh, it's such an old fashioned phrase. I've never phrase. heard it before. I no, never it's heard very it. Very good, Lori. Thank you. Nicely, oh nicely my gosh. said. I'm like, I've never heard it. it. I'm sure I've just read it in the context of that. It just means somebody who doesn't suffer fools. Okay, got yeah. it. Yeah. I'm not putting up with nothing. Yeah. Or there you go, Donnie is really Hollywood <laughs> speaking it and taking it down Fantastic. to the basics. Fantastic. That's all I needed, Brooke. So I love that about RuPaul. I think that's one of, uh, you know, his charms. But, um, Andy did ask Rue, you know, do you have a favorite drag queen? And he's like, that's like naming a favorite child. I know, yeah, you right? can't do it. Anyway, so I'll probably watch. I'll I tell miss you the, her and things. And that same. Never Been Kiss movie is oh, so, so delightful. Good. It's Darlene. I would love to see. And, Michael Vartan. Yes, and she is really good friends off screen, too, with Adam Sandler. And I hope that they, they I like when they do movies together. Yeah, I do, too. You know, they and, go on that vacation to uh, Hawaii, and then they just flip out a movie. She was in Spanglish, wasn't she? Or she no, was that's no. Leone. What else was she in with? She's been the in, wedding yeah, singer, the, wedding. the oh. most famous, of oh course. Yeah, which reminds us of a wedding we were at on New Year's Eve, where that was the groom's vows. I know it. It was so sweet. That was the sweetest <laughs> thing I'd ever seen, Donnie. He said his vows were the wedding singer's vows. That's I like that idea. It was so. Yeah. It was really charming. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was, I, yeah, I've I know. Never, that made me cry. Yeah. I mean, that, just thinking of it, that was special. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah, Good was, idea for people if you need one. Yeah. And then the girl, uh, she recited E.E. E. Cummings. A poem, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I know. it was such a dichotomy because here right. you have Adam Sandler, Nikki e. E. sitting there, yeah, sitting there so beautifully <laughs> and to love thee and love thee. And then what, how does the wedding singer vows? Um, look him up, Laura. And, and, and he's, and he just goes into his, and it's kind of like. Well, he said he acknowledged it was. Yes, the these are the wedding vows. singer vows, and it was just so. I want to make you smile whenever you're sad. Carry you around when your threat is bad. All I want to do is grow old with you. 
blah, blah, blah. It goes on like it, that. But it was sweet. Sweet. Very sweet. All right, listen, we come back. We're talking to Linda Cohen Logman. 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 The Wartime Sisters is her book. Fantastic historical fiction, World War II. We'll be right back. I can't shut it down. It's going viral. This is the My Talk Now Trending Report. Interesting day on the World Wide Web. Web. Oh, trending online today. It's National Pie Day. And also Carrie Underwood trending. She has given birth to a baby boy, sharing some photographs on her Instagram feed. Congratulations. Cardi B trending. She's the latest music act to go to Las Vegas and start their own residency. She's going to be at the Palms Casino Resort and Hotel. And also trending online this afternoon, James Gandolfini and his son. His son, James Gandolfini's son, is going to be playing Tony Soprano in the upcoming Sopranos prequel movie. Some saying that he looks like the splitting image of his father. Well, that's what's trending here at my talk. And now it's time. Oh, no, I'm not going to give the weather. Donnie gives the weather. But first, before we do that, but remind- feist, <laughs> but feist, <laughs> Lori and Julia heading out to Los Angeles. They're going to broadcast live tomorrow ahead of the SAG Awards. So tune in for coverage of their adventure covering the Screen Actors Guild Awards Monday, January 27th. Follow along with Lori and Julia all weekend long on our website at mytalk1071.com. And now it's time for the weather with Donnie. All right, here we go. It's going to be cloudy, maybe some flurries tonight. Two above will be the low temperature tonight. Tomorrow, cold, and the five-degree high we're having tomorrow is going to be early in the day because then the bottom falls out. Yeah. Right now, it is partly sunny, and it's 23 at my talk. Now you know what we know. See more at mytalk1071.com. Mama said, don't give up. It's a little complicated. All tied up, no more love. And I'd hate to see you waiting. Had to have We just loved it. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Oh, yes. Linda, what a good book. So for people who are listening, can you just give us a brief setup of what the Wartime Sisters is about? Sure. It's it's a it's kind of two stories overlapping. It's a it's a family story, a story of two sisters who are estranged. Um but it's set on the home front during World War II. So it has that kind of historical um, mm-hmm. background to it. But these are sisters who grow up in Brooklyn and they're very different. Um one is sort of the younger, more emotional, very beautiful, irresponsible one, and one is the older, more cerebral, serious one. And there are just a lot of a lot of circumstances that get in the way of them having a good relationship, and they kind of separate. One moves to Springfield, Massachusetts, which is where the Springfield Armory was, and that is sort of a big historical focus for the book. And then the younger one comes and joins her there after they haven't seen each other for five years. So the title is really, I love the title. I didn't actually think of it, but I love the title because the sisters are at war with each other. Right. Yeah. It's also, you know, the war, the war, the war is going on in the background yeah. and the sisters are those two biological sisters, but it's also the community of women of, of all those other sisters um, who work and live at the Springfield Armory. Yeah, so it's yeah. a perfect Close. name because it does talk about the sisterhood at the Armory and the sisters. You know, when you think about the sisters, Ruth and Millie, and it just starts out with a bang, how Ruth could not understand why Millie was so carefree. She was younger. She was the beautiful one. Um, do you think that, you know, this, it, it, did you experience this? I know that sounds no. really silly. <laughs> no, I don't have a sister, actually. Um, but I grew up 
with my watching my mom and her two sisters. Mm-hmm. And so there wasn't there wasn't one who was the beautiful one and the smart one in their kind of relationship. But I definitely noticed all that, you know, growing up that there are roles that that siblings get that everyone gets really in a family. And I really wanted to explore that idea of, you know, can you ever break free of those roles that you're sort of assigned when you're young? You know, if you, if you spill your cranberry sauce at Thanksgiving when you're six years old, are you always the clumsy one? You know, right. for the rest of your life, when you're 50 years old, the people in your family call you the clumsy one. And I kind of think they do. Like, I think there are certain moments when families get together that sort of set that precedent and, and put those patterns into play. And so when I was growing up, my mom was kind of like the worrying one. She was the worry wart. And then she was the oldest. And then the middle sister was the very optimistic one. And then the young one was a lot younger. And so she was always the fun one. And they kind of, those were their roles, you know, and, and they, it was, it's just interesting to me to think about that. Um, and think if you can ever escape from those roles. Yeah. You kind of, it's true it, what you're saying. It is true. It, you can't escape it. And there are those uh, things like I have two sisters and then a brother that came along like 11, you know, I'm 11 years older. So my one sister was the baby for the longest time. Yeah. And she still will go, well, I'm still the baby girl. <laughs> you know, it's just like, okay. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Why? Why is the Springfield Armory? What What came first in your story idea? Did you want to... Because you did a lot of research for yeah. this book, and I, I, I was really glad to get to know about this this base. So if you I will. grew up actually about fifteen minutes from the Springfield Armory. Okay, and so my mom grew up in Brooklyn, and my first book that you mentioned before, the Two Family House, mm-hmm. um, was set in Brooklyn, and it was the setting. The, the house and the, the setting was really inspired by my mom's childhood. But when my mom was 18, her whole family moved to Springfield, Massachusetts. And all of those stories that my aunts and my mom told me, you know, just changed and shifted really abruptly. So there were all the Brooklyn stories, and then they became the Springfield stories. And the Springfield stories were always like disappointing. Like they didn't like moving to Springfield. They weren't happy about that move. And so I had originally really wanted to write sort of more that story, not not thinking about the army at all, mm-hmm. just thinking I wanted to write about sisters in transition and sort of disappointment. And also my mom um, was in her senior year of high school when they moved. So she stayed behind Ooh, a few months to right. finish. And so that idea of like someone being left behind and then catching up later and what does that feel like? And then the army I decided to write about the armory because I just, I was going to have one older character in my story and the, she was going to have a backstory of having worked at the army during World War II. But, but it was going to be like a paragraph in my book. Right. But I still had to do a little bit of research for a paragraph. And, you know, like a little bit of research is a very dangerous and terrible <laughs> thing. And so I started listening to these recorded oral histories that someone had the, the presence of mind to make in the 1990s with women and men, too, actually, who had worked at the Army and lived at the Army during World War II. And when I started listening to them, they were just so fascinating. And it was such an interesting place that I decided I wanted the sisters from, you know, my characters that I had been thinking about to live there. Yeah, and, and, that's And I sent the story back so that it would be at the start of World War One. Yeah, did the Benny Goodman story, did that really happen? That actually happened, yeah. Benny Goodman came to the Springfield Armory in, in September of 1943, and there really was this radio show um, called the Victory Parade of Spotlight Bands. And you can actually go online and like listen to some of the broadcasts. Wow. But it was a show, it was sponsored by Coca-Cola, and it 
they used to bring all these big bands, Tommy Dorsey and, you know, all, all these different big bands all around the country to different defense plants and army bases and to boost morale. And they would do a concert there. And then they, you know, the, the people who worked there could go to the concert, but then they broadcast it all around the country. So everyone, you know, could just sit at home and listen to it on their radio. Lori, yeah. that sounds like kind of your experience because Lori is a Ag- Air, Air Force branch. Oh, was, wow. She was in Asia for quite a while. So. I, well, I just like that, you know, that whole kind of that base mentality or yeah. that, you know, all these people are everyone's working with the same idea. And I thought it was interesting in the wartime sisters too. the, the, uh, hints of racism that come out with um, like Grace accusing one yeah. of being a sympathizer with the Italian government that Italians mm-hmm. were looked at, oh, you know, with horribly. people raising their right. eyebrows. Jew- so many Jewish mm-hmm. people were not allowed, you know, you couldn't belong to this country club or that. Uh, so I think I thought that was, you know, I thought that really made it even more powerful because, you know, that went on. Or if yeah, you're German? The, the, the research that I did about Italian-Americans, I didn't do too much of it, but it's such a fascinating um, piece of our history. And I think it's something that people don't realize so much. You know, people are focused on, like, Japanese internment camps, you right. know, during that time after the war. But people don't realize that, like, Italian, the Italian-Americans um, who chose not to, or who for whatever reason didn't, actually end up becoming citizens yet they were really they 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 had to travel with papers and they they couldn't own homes near the coast there were there were all these different restrictions imposed on them right. and it wasn't so much on the east coast because i think there were so many italian americans yeah. on the east coast but in california especially it was really bad and i remember i read something about um Joe DiMaggio's father, because Joe DiMaggio's father owned a fishing boat, like in San Francisco, and all of these Italian fishermen had their boats taken away during that time mm-hmm. because they were, they were afraid of spies and sabotage right. and stuff. And the only reason that he didn't have it worse was because he was Joe DiMaggio's father, but he still had his boat taken away. Yeah, and wow. It was fascinating. Yeah. You wouldn't think that, I mean, that's why I think it's so great to read history because you wouldn't think other, you know, like Italians, like they blend in with everybody, like Swedish, you know, you wouldn't expect that. Well, yeah. it's just weird. Yeah, I was very surprised. Yeah, we're <clears throat> such a fun book. It really, it really is. And I know, like, if people have read like The Nightingale by Kristen Hanna, you know, I mean, I put this right up there. Has there been any? Like, do you hope your book becomes a mini series? Could you? Would you like oh, to gosh, see I that? Would, <laughs> yes, of course I do. <laughs> um, I would love it. Do whatever you want with it. Do you want to make a mini series? Well, well, you want to know what I like about it, and I think Gloria I like the too. era. I, I like, like the thirties and the forties. I like the clothes. I like the yeah. women being so strong and making yeah. all the ammunitions. You yeah. know, and the friendships and the bonds. Yeah, it's true. I mean, that was the thing when I listened to those interviews with the women. You know, um, on the Armory web website just they all the thing that they all had in common was they all loved working at the armory so much there was this sense of camaraderie there and it wasn't like the jobs were so fascinating i mean they were factory jobs they were Mm -hmm. sitting at tables and putting together triggers or you know they were long hours but they had such a sense of purpose and this kind of common goal and and that there was just there was camaraderie you know and they they had dances for them and lunchtime concerts that the works progress administration musicians put on all around the army and and everything they 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 just were a huge family you know yeah. and i think that's something that's lost you know these days well oh, and they sure. were they were they had worthy. a united person they had, purpose yeah too. and it's yeah. kind of the first time probably a lot of them were in the workforce yeah. of that yeah. you know of, in a meaningful way outside of parenting yeah mm-hmm. exactly absolutely 
Well, the book is so good. It's called The Wartime Sisters. Um, we have to ask you, uh, Linda, what what's on your book stand or what's the last great book that you've read? Oh, my goodness. I've been reading so many good things. I know. There's <laughs> so many good though. books out I right know. now. Fiona Davis's book, The Masterpiece, is so terrific. And, Who's, whose book um, is that? So, sorry? What's her name? I'm sorry. I didn't catch it. Um, it's Fiona Davis, and it's called The Masterpiece. And Fiona writes these books that are... They all focus on a central landmark, like a beautiful historic building in New York City. So the masterpiece is set in Grand Central Terminal. Oh, but she cool. did one set at the Dakota Apartment Building, and her next oh. one is at the Chelsea Hotel. Um, so it's real, they're really fascinating stories. And then I just read this really neat book um, called Spinning Silver by Naomi Novik, which was not what I usually read. It's sort of fantasy because um, I usually do kind of read historical fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love Pam Jeroff's books and I love um, Christina McMorris's books, um, all of those. But Naomi Novik's book, I don't even know how I came about it. I must have seen it somewhere. And that's a really interesting story because it's, it's kind of a retelling of the Rumpelstiltskin um, story, but with mm. like a young female money lender who oh. can like turn all of her debts into gold. So it's like that spinning straw into gold, but it's different. And so it's, I don't know, it's really neat. Okay. That sounds really cool and different. What a treat to meet you, Linda Cohen Longman. Thank you. Where are you located? Are you still on the East Coast? I'm, yes, I'm in New York. Okay. I'm in New York. Yeah. Thank you for being on our show. Thank you for having me. We're passionate readers and we're happy to learn about you. And The Wartime Sisters is a great book. Oh, you guys are terrific. Thank you, Thank you Linda. for your time. All right, take care. Okay, bye-bye. bye-bye. When we come back, oh, we have uh, a notable music obituary, and we have two copies of the book to give away, 651-641-1071. We're caught in a trap. I can't walk out because I Oh, yeah, there's a reason why we're listening to Elvis just on this random day in the middle of January. I feel like it's it, there never needs to be a no, reason No, there doesn't anymore. really need to be a reason to play that amazing song. But we are playing that song today because a prolific studio guitarist that we've never heard of, but we've heard on about a million and one recordings, okay. Reggie Young, passed away uh, January 17th at the age of 82. He uh, literally thousands yeah, of records. Incredible studio musician. Yeah. He wow. appeared on landmark yeah. recordings by Elvis and many others and played a prominent role in shaping the sound of Southern popular music in the 60s and 70s. He played on uh, so many hit recordings. It's a career that spans 60 years. Among his best known credits are the box tops, The Letter, Elvis Presley's Suspicious Minds, both number one pop singles, Neil Diamond's Sweet Caroline. Oh, wow. He was the okay. lead guitar. He also, which uh, should we, uh, do we think, have him in order? Yeah, well, let's see if people, maybe Julia recognizes this, this song. song. Here's okay. Reggie playing guitar. I know this song. That's Reggie. Love this song. Listen to that guitar. Thomas. Deep inside of me. 
Yes, I think that would song would well, be. Well, it was by that Swedish group. Remember, Uga Chaka. Oh, that's Ooga, right. Ooga, Ooga. Yeah. Oh God, Laura, you loved. I that love that song. <laughs> yeah, you did. Well, Ooga. here's another one that he okay uh, that he played he's guitar so, okay. on. Might recognize this. Oh, I love Here we go. Listen to that guitar. Mm-hmm. What kind of guitar is that? Is that just electric? It is. Yeah. There is another one. Cry yeah. like right. a baby. Cry like a baby. The By box, the box tops. tops. Yeah. And then here, those both reach number 10 in 1968. <laughs> <laughs> By the box, box tops. tops. Box tops. Yeah. yeah, well, they did the letter, too. The golden stamps. Yeah. yeah. yeah There's one another more. one. This is Dusty Springfield. Yeah. Listen to that guitar. There's Reggie. It's a good time. This is you. When yeah. they gather around and start talking, that's when Billy would take me a walk. All right. So okay. Reggie. So, um, and that, of course, was a top 10 single for Dusty Springfield, which people always forget she was British. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. And he appeared, all these rec- he appeared on all these recordings, including all the ones associated with Elvis Presley's late 60s return to the limelight as a member of what they called themselves the Memphis Boys. And, uh, <laughs> He said uh, he um, he also did the guitar on Waylon Jennings, Lukenbach, Texas, Willie Nelson, Always on My Mind. He played with so many famous people that he said it was nothing special for him and his fe- fellow Memphis boys to be tapped to support Presley in the studio in the late 60s. He said, we played with all the top stars of the time and Elvis hadn't had any hits for a while and didn't have an album on the charts. As he stepped into the studio, boy, I never met any other person with such charisma. It was very special for me. Wow. I, know, I believe cool that. I believe that. He always felt he was a cross between B.B. King and Chet Atkins. He said, in Memphis, you're kind of between Nashville and the Southern Delta. So he always mm-hmm. felt he was a cross between B.B. King and Chet. Anyway, so we didn't know his name, Tell but we know again. his so music. That Reggie Young. Reggie Young. Reggie Young. Like this little story, Carol King Musical is offering free Broadway tickets to furloughed federal workers. Are they really? That's really awesome. It really is. So um, anyway, so they're available for the Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and Sunday evening performances. And the offer ends when the shutdown does. That's awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. That is really great news. Um, Oh, I've got another, just going back to a different obituary. Okay. Um, You're an interior decorator kind of a person, but I don't know if you know this person, Mario Buada, otherwise known as the Prince of Chintz. Oh, okay. Who doesn't love chins? chins. Oh, that's his clients. He was in New York. This yeah. is a page six oh, obituary. His clients this. included Mariah Carey, Barbara Walters, and Malcolm Forbes. <gasps> and he was remembered at the Park Avenue Armory, Armory by about three hundred family and friends yesterday. He died uh, just a few days of turning eighty three, and he once um, uh, introduced, um, you know, the Prince of Chins. 
he introduced Buada to an acquaintance as the Prince of Chintz. Oh, I love it. And the friend said, I don't know that country. Where is it? And he said, it's in the English Channel. <laughs> and when the person asked, how'd you become the prince? He said, I was too young to become the king. Oh! And he was known for going to his dinner parties, of course, hanging out with Barbara Walters, mm-hmm. Cindy Adams. He carried a fake cockroach called Harold to fancy <laughs> dinner parties, and he would unleash the pet on someone's... <laughs> The past on someone's plate or spoon, pretending not to notice it. Then he'd make a big act of squashing it. Okay, that's hysterical. And then he once gave... That's hysterical. That's a really good idea. Travel with your own bug. Yeah, he once gave Malcolm um, Forbes' daughter a birthday gift in a large Tiffany bag and then dropped it. And everything in it shattered. He brought it. It was full of broken glass. And the real gift came a day later. (laughs) Anyway, so it was that kind of a memorial. Yeah. Fun. So that happened. By the way, Justin Bieber and Haley Baldwin have postponed their wedding for a third time. Why? What? Well, several, okay, quote unquote, several loved ones couldn't make it, even though 300 people had been told save the date. Initially, quote unquote, Justin and Haley panicked and started to scramble. But then they decided to take their time as they've realized they are already married. Okay. Here's okay. another thing. The couple tied the knot in a non-religious uh, ceremony called getting married at the courthouse in Manhattan yes. and didn't confirm the news. And now they might do a destination wedding. Uh, I think these two are trying to figure out if they want to stay married. Lori, it's weird. Okay, it's weird. So our, our vintage scandal today, though, I'm really excited about because you've been doing some research yes. on the church that he and Haley have met at and belong to the Hillside Church. Hillsong. Hillsong. Hillsong Church. And I'm wondering if this has anything to do with that because they're, That's, I don't know, because now he was supposedly, according to TMZ, Bieber wanted to have a religious wedding this time before his 25th birthday, which is March 1st. So it's mm. just weird. It is weird, but boy, she's beautiful. They would love a small wedding, but they have so many people there that they want. They already had a small wedding. They're already married. They're married. Okay, is Why this... don't they just have a reception? Have a big party. Mm, that's true. I, because maybe she because wants to pro- walk down the aisle. No, her I'm dad telling you, wanted her to. I'm telling you, this reverend, it's the, it's the, the reverend. She can get church. more money out of him. That's right. She can get married to my church. I get percentage something, of everything. Something. All right, listen, when we come back. We've got a fun... Jeopardy! Fun game. Jeopardy! Uh-huh. Oh, we're so good at this. <laughs> yeah. Today we're going to be great.